Episode number 346, Reaching the Next Generation with Nick Hall. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Philo Conference. I've been telling you about this conference the last couple of weeks. Be sure to grab your ticket and come to Chicago, May 10th and 11th. More to come on that. Well, this week I welcome international evangelist Nick Hall. Nick is an incredible speaker and preacher. He was mentored and influenced by the greats Billy Graham, Greg Laurie, and others. Nick is the founder of the Pulse Movement, and their big event, Together 22, is happening in just a few months, June 24th and 25th, at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Some really big significance on those dates and that location that we'll talk about with Nick. Nick has preached the gospel to more than 5 million people and is often featured as a speaker for pastors' gatherings and events all around the world. I'm going to talk with Nick about how to reach the next generation. Nick and his team is reaching young people by the thousands. So how can we craft our worship experiences to reach a younger generation? What can we learn from Nick? Uh, What do we need to stop doing? What's a big turnoff to younger people? What can we see happen in the church today? Where are we going? Going. We'll talk all about that with Nick today. Hey guys, I am so looking forward to Philo 2022 happening May 10th and 11th in Chicago at Willow Creek Community Church. Up Before the Sun, finishing up after the band has left, that's part of what it means to be Philo. First in, last out. But you're not alone. The Philo community is made up of people just like you. And you're going to see that at the Philo event this year. You're going to hear from great speakers like Ashley Island, Todd Elliott, Clay Scroggins, and more. And our team will be there too. You can register today at philo.org. That's F-I-L-O dot O-R-G. Philo.org. We'll see you there. Hey guys, today I welcome Nick Hall. Nick is the founder and president of Pulse and a leading international evangelist. He's the author of Reset, Jesus Changes Everything. Nick, welcome, man. Thanks so much for being here, dude. Hey, hey, Carl. Good to be here. Excited. Yeah, man. Me too. So uh, as we get started, uh, tell me a little bit about Pulse and how it got started. I know a little bit about the movement, but but not too much. So give uh, give me the background story. Yeah, I love it. Well, so I, um, gosh, God put his call in my life as a teenager, used my youth pastor and pastor, really mentored and discipled me. And then when I was a university student, I wrote this uh, paper. I was at a secular university, North Dakota State, where I'm from, studying business. And, uh, and God had really called me to be an evangelist. And so, you know, they don't really write a roadmap for that. There's not a lot no. of people doing that. If you want to end conversations, I'll tell people, <laughs> tell people you're an evangelist. And that's a good way to get people to throw their headphones on. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so I wrote this paper in my English class. It was a dream of seeing God 
basically reach our campus, seeing Christians unite, seeing Christians share their faith and seeing like the largest gatherings that had happened. And so that paper unleashed a movement. This was back in, uh, I wrote the paper in 04. And then over the coming year, 05, 06 school year, we saw 8,000 students come out on our campus. We saw 1,200 kids give life to Christ. And all of a sudden we had students all over America asking us, you know, how did you do that? Can you come here? Can we do Pulse in Illinois? Can we do Pulse in Texas? Can we do Pulse in wherever? And um, I was living in my parents' basement, uh, finishing school, having mom and dad tell me to get a real job. (laughs) And, uh, you know, and we just kind of went after it. We said, man, God, we want to help these kids. This is our, our generation. And if you want it to go, it'll go. If you don't, it won't. And so filed paperwork, formed an organization, really, you know, was mentored under people like Billy Graham and Luis Palau. And, yeah. and so in some ways we were just trying to pick up that baton and say, man, like those guys existed to unite churches around the gospel. They existed to equip believers to share the gospel and they existed to put on large campaigns that share the gospel. And so that's what we do. Yeah. Well, I know, I mean, with uh, Billy Graham and Luis Palau, uh, both p- passed away recently, and then kind of Greg Laurie, and then you coming in right right kind of behind it. We need a new wave of, of evangelists like you, man. So I, I really applaud what you're doing and just your obedience to the Lord and, uh, and all of that. Um, tell me about some of the campaigns and initiatives that you guys have, have launched over the last few years. Yeah. I mean, we do a lot of stuff. I mean, um, we kind of have three buckets that everything falls under, you know, one, either it's just a full on outreach campaign. So we launched something, uh, just over Easter weekend, you know, partnering with churches across America and churches around the world, basically just feeling like, man, like Easter weekend is such a big deal. And like Easter Sunday is such a big deal, but good Friday, it's kind of this day that unless you're a big church, a lot of churches don't even have like a good Friday service. And so we actually had the chance to acquire the domain goodfriday.com and, uh, and just turn it into a global outreach launching on good Friday. We just meant like, T-G-I-G-F, you know, like, (laughs) you know, like everybody, you know, it's like everybody loves Friday. They just don't know why. And it's, uh, hey, you got to know, man, everybody loves it. But man, there's something that changed on a Friday. And uh, and so we've seen a million people respond to the gospel through that initiative alone just since COVID. Um, You know, so the second bucket we do is training believers to share their faith. So we've done a huge digital uh, evangelism training just called Make Jesus Known. Yeah. It's in English, Spanish, and Russian. Everything we do, we do for free. Um, we try to really make it available. It's not because we don't, we have a problem with people selling tickets or we, you know, whatever. It's just, for me, I grew up in a part of the country where churches didn't have a budget. You know, like we, if I only went to churches that could afford me back then, like I would have went nowhere. You know, it's like, I kind of came to this realization that people who can afford me don't need me. And the people who need me either can't afford me or don't value the gospel enough. And so we really want to remove the barriers so that people who don't normally have access to the solid things that the church is doing, you know, can have it and experience it. So the training. And then the third thing is uh, that we're focused on is finding young evangelists. Like, I just feel like 
it kind of is an endangered species. I feel like we need to get them in the zoo and help them repopulate or something. But it's just, you know, you ask people like, do you know an evangelist? Like it's kind of a word that doesn't exist anymore. And, and I'll tell people, man, I feel like God hasn't stopped calling evangelists, but the church has largely stopped talking about it as a calling. And so there's a whole generation that doesn't have a clue. Like, you know, even these guys, like outside of Billy Graham, like nobody is that well known. I mean, Luis was pretty well known. Greg is pretty well known, but like most people don't know who those guys are, right. you know, just like most people don't know who a pastor is. And so it's like, but it's just, if I'm a Christian young person right now and I feel called in the ministry, like my paths are kind of church planter joining the staff of a church you know, maybe justice efforts, some kind of nonprofit, hmm. but like evangelist just isn't a bucket anymore. Like, hmm. what does that even mean? Um, and so we started something called Pulse 100, really based off of a quote from John Wesley, where he prayed, he said, God, would you give me a hundred preachers who hate nothing but sin and fear nothing but God, and I'll shake the gates of hell. And so I just was like, I love that prayer. I'm going to pray for a hundred, you know? Yeah. And so we've been looking for young men and women. We started our first cohort with this. We actually bought a building for a training center. And, uh, you know, we just really are trying to equip a new generation of evangelists. You know, some are going to be pastors. Some are maybe even going to the workplace, but they have the call of God on their life to both lead people to Jesus and to equip the church to lead people to Jesus. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So you have your Together 22 event coming up uh, in Dallas in June. And you you canceled last year and you're back this year, right? Yeah, man. It's been wild. I mean, you do live events. Uh, perspective, we, we had 150 events planned in 2020 and we did like four. And oh, so, man. you know, I know every church, every ministry, like we all just had to so pivot but for us, it's like we built an entire organization around live events right? and not just live events, but like big, like we put on tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people. Like that's what we want to dream towards. And so it's been a weird season, but yeah, this summer, June uh, 24th and 25th, we've booked the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. It's a historic yeah. venue. Uh, Billy Graham actually did a crusade there in 53 and then in 1972, actually 50 years from the dates that we're doing this event, there was, in my opinion, the most important next-gen gathering in American history. It was called Explo. Uh, it was the largest evangelistic training in our country's history. Um, it was a pinnacle moment for Christianity at the time. It was a pinnacle moment for worship music as we know it. A lot of artists would say that was the birthplace of a lot of Christian music. And it also was like the single focus was to equip the Jesus people to share the gospel. And so this summer we're there, tons of artists going to be there, you know, tons of preachers, you know, I mean, we're going to have stuff with Francis Chan and David Platt and, you know, artists like KB or, you know, Crowder or Hillsong Young and Free. I mean, just the lineup is insane, but the goal of the whole thing is to equip these kids and all of us really like, I'm just like, man, we got to get the church back to sharing the gospel, that this is the everyday believer being a witness. This is good news. Either we believe it or we don't. I think sometimes as a church, we're so loud about everything, but Jesus, especially the last two years, man, I don't think the church has ever been more loud, 
but loud about stuff that's not eternal, loud about mask mandates or vaccination status or politics or justice issues, which all things that are fine, but man, they're, they're not eternal. And so we're just saying, man, can we get loud about the hope we have in the gospel? And so that's what the summer is all about, really equipping a generation to do that and take it home. What makes it uh, different? You know, there's a lot of conferences out there. What makes this one really different and stand out? Well, it's free uh, and it's a training. Like I would just say this isn't a conference. Like we are, we are literally planning the whole thing to train people to equip a generation to share the gospel. And it's collaborative. Like the two goals of the event is one that you'd be trained to share your faith. And two is that you'd be connected and have a plan to bring it home. And so we have 49 states coming already, Alaska. We're still waiting for you, Alaska. I'm happy to come on a fishing trip on a recruiting there. But, uh, you know, and then basically the training will be just so repetitive and clear to help people know how to share their faith. And then to pair these young men and women or churches with ministries and action plans. Uh, we're even planning like 500, um, we're, we're raising money to even give grants to 500 groups across the country that want to plan something after this summer, because mm. we're not planning this for an event. Like we're planning this because we believe we need the gospel all over America. Mm. We need it in our high schools. We need our college campuses. We need a door to door. Like we just need a revival of believers sharing the gospel. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it hasn't happened like this in 50 years. Uh, you know, it's 800 churches and organizations collaborating already. It'll, it'll be over 2000 by the time we get to June. And uh, yeah, so it's definitely something historic and special. Um, I'll, I'll pause and just say my dad, my family was changed by what happened 50 years ago. That's awesome. And, um, and so the kids that were trained at the Cotton Bowl in 72, they were challenged to bring it home and they did. And some of those kids went home to North Dakota and ended up leading my dad to Christ. And so in some ways, like the whole thing that we're planning this with isn't the event. Like I'm planning it so that there'll be more people getting reached like my dad was. And so yeah. that's just a different mindset yeah. of like, I think so many Christian conferences and events, like it's great and it's amazing, but a lot of it is like, it's hard to remember even what was the call to action. Like it was good. We worship the unity's awesome. The crowd's awesome. I love all of that. But so often I'm like, okay, what is the thing that I'm supposed to come away with? And for me, it's just like, I'm just lasering everything right now in on. I think people are more open to the gospel now than they've ever been. And I don't see many people sharing their faith. And so we're just like doubling, tripling down on that and just saying, hey, let's break the sound barrier. Let's get a generation talking about Jesus again. So obviously some of the numbers, especially on, on a next gen or younger generation, we're losing them. Uh, so what are your thoughts on maybe some ways that you found to be successful to reach uh, the uh, younger audience or the, or the next generation, especially when it comes to maybe Sunday morning worship experience or anytime really? Yeah. I mean, I just think representation is everything. So I mean, I'm at so many churches and I tell you the churches that are winning young people to Jesus, that, that young people are wanting to be a part of are the churches that are featuring young people in what they're doing. Like, it's just, we program our priorities. So 
if you're telling me the next generation, Gen Z and millennials are a priority in your church, then I would want to see that in your program. I would want to see that on your platform, right? So whether that's the worship team, whether that's the hosts, whether that's on video, whether that's stories, I just think it's like, if I don't see myself on your stage, I don't feel like you want me here. And I think that's true of all of us, but I think it's especially true for this next generation. Um, and I'm just seeing like highlighting the stories, the wins, the examples, um, having testimonies, right. Having, you know, having a level of like, I'm okay with it being a little messy, mm. you know, like you have to do that. Like if you're going to, if you're going to encourage and rally a new generation, like it can't all be super polished, right? Like they're going to say something dumb. They're going to act out a line. But the truth is, it's like, thank God they're doing that in the house, right? Yeah. And so when I just see churches like on Sundays mm-hmm. where that is from the pastor's heart, like even stories and sermons, like where they're talking about, man, our youth are doing this and our young adults are doing this and, and man, pray for them and take them out to eat. And like, I just think the leader has the chance to set a culture. Yeah. And, and for me, it's a little bit like, we always say the next gen's our future, but the truth is they're only going to be our future if we make them our present. And so it's just this, are they our priority or not? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I just find that, man, it, this has to be you're, cause you're right. Like the stats are showing, I think it's like 4% of Gen Z have a biblical worldview right now. And for a lot of people, they see even the concept of evangelism as like a super negative thing. And it's like, man, how did we get here where, the majority of Christians, I mean, forget about Gen Z, the majority of Christians in general never share their faith. Like their whole life, they never share their faith. Mm -hmm. That didn't come from the Bible, you know? Like we have to get back to realizing that, man, everywhere I go, there's people who are hurting and open and they're one conversation away. I mean, the last week alone, I've, I've had 10 strangers that are asking me where they can go to church just after five minutes of interacting with them. I'm not even doing anything like super complicated. I listen. Like I pray for God to send me people who need Jesus every day. And then I just look. And then when I get in conversations, I just listen. I tell people the most important thing for you to reach people has nothing to do with what you need to say. It has to do with you making the time to listen and say, man, you matter. You matter to me. You matter to God. And man, I value you, you know, and I see that green shirt, you know, whatever it is, it's like, right. I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for things to point out and, and compliment and say, man, you're doing a great job. I see you working hard. And, uh, and man, people are like, what the heck's going on? This is different, you know? Right. Yeah. So this might be the, the same answer, but I want to ask this anyway, and you, you've given a few things, but how do we craft our worship experiences each week to attract and not lose the gener- the the next generation. Obviously, uh, you mentioned some great things them on stage uh, and talk about them. Are there you know music choices that we need to make? Or, and I don't want to really get into worship war necessarily, but like, are there are there uh, elements like does it need more media content? Does it need more? Like, what what are some of the programming elements that you feel like, man? If I'm going to reach the next generation, I have to have these elements yeah yeah i mean here's the thing man i'm 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 shooting this right now in downtown minneapolis right within 20 blocks of where i sit 
there are five churches killing it with young people and they are doing it completely different from the other church, right? You got the seeker sensitive church that's killing it on the video. They're killing it on the music. Their production value is an 11 and a half on a scale of 10, right? And there's people coming, right? They're coming, but they're coming because the young people are priority. They're on the platform. They're involved. They're, they're on staff. Like it's just clear. There's another church that's way more experiential, way more spirit, you know, led, uh, way more like, God, we want to see you move. They're mixing in elements of prayer and, and still good worship. I would say worship has to be a priority. Like there definitely is like this generation, like they want something to sound good. Now, the good news is there's a church a block from here that their production isn't high at all. It's just like unplugged acoustic vibes, right? Like you could feel like, is this like a Bible camp, but it's really good and it's super authentic. I don't know that the style for me matters as much as the heart. Mm. I think if you want young people and it is evident with how you spend your time as a leader, like we all know, like if you just tell me you want young people and the reason you want young people is so your church doesn't die, then your church is probably already dead. Okay. But if you want young people and your life backs that up, like you're having coffee with them. Like my pastor texts me multiple times a week just to check in on me. How are you doing? Like, I know he does that with a lot of young men and women in our church. Like it's a priority from the top. It's a priority from the staff. It's a priority on the platform. It's a priority in the stories. And then I think the elements fall into that as well. Like, yeah, like media, certainly I think like try to have some good visual elements, like try to have a presence on social media, but man, that stuff, if, if your heart's not there, then all that's just a show, mm-hmm. you know, and none of it works at all. Right. Because the, the goal is you want to get young men and women to be a part of your team where they're owning those things, you know, cause they know how to do that way better than we do. Right. And it's just like, like, I want to find, there's a bunch of 20 year olds, not far from wherever you're listening to, wherever you're watching this, that would love a job, you know, and they would love somebody to say, Hey, I believe in you. And man, I'm going to pay you, you know, 500 bucks to help me lead this every month. I'll pay you that just as a little side hustle and man, it'll be awesome. But it's like, yeah. is the heart investment there? Good. Uh, flip side of that. What are some th- major turnoffs? Like if you're trying to reach the next generation, you do not want to do X, Y, Z. Yeah. I'll just preface that by saying there's going to be somebody who would disagree with me. Right. So I think the benefit of these kids today is they're super like diverse in their views. And I know that scares people because they think, Oh, they're too feelings focused and maybe they're too liberal or they're too whatever but I just think it's amazing like how you can't put them in a box. Right. So like that is like, they're going to reach the world in my opinion, because they are the world. Like they are, they already understand the culture. They know how to reach their friends. But to me, the big turnoffs right now is like, I think political Christianity is a huge turnoff for young people. Like, I think the more you are marrying politics and Jesus, I just think that is a really hard sell for young people. Um, I think it's a big turnoff if, if you're not trying to have diverse kind of 
faces and people involved, like if it's all men and no women, like, and I'm not even getting into like teaching, like whether this should be complementarian or egalitarian, like I'm more just saying like, if there's no women sharing anything or there's no diversity at all, like those are just things like as anybody under 40, that's the first thing they see when they walk in a room. Like they've just been programmed, right? That like all they see is white dudes, mm -hmm. just a bunch of white dudes, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just like, that's a turn up or old people. Yeah. Yeah. Not only white dudes, old white dudes, right. you know, or just old people in general. Right. So I just think like the packaging matters. Um, you know, I think the politics are a turnoff. Um, what else would I say is like big things that are, yeah, I do think like the music I think can be, uh, hard, you know, if, if your music is like a low, uh, let's just say quality level. Um, I mean, people can criticize the music all they want, but it's just like, never have people been given more variety with Spotify and different mm -hmm. things. And so like, it's just up the ante, right? Like it's just made it where it's like, Hey, if you're going to play in this game, like you just got to come to play, right? you know? And so I just think like thinking through some of those things, like, I don't know if there's anything else I would add there. I think those are the, those are the bigger ones here. I, I also think like just the argumentative Christianity, I think the rhetoric of us versus them, um, I think it's hard for young people to grab onto, you know, when you talk a lot, like when you're spending so much time talking about, like if you use even the word liberals or whatever, like just when you start to labels, like those people, or, you know, like, I just think when you start to get into all the like culture war stuff, like I would just tell people, man, like model for them, loving Jesus model for them, loving the word of God. Like you don't need to go on a rant about this or that, you know, like I just think for young people, they're really like, you know, when, when so much of your upbringing has to do with like community and that every voice matters and that every perspective matters. Like what I would encourage you to do with your Sundays is find a way to like take that message and bring it. It's like, that, that's right. Like God does value every voice. And that's why we listen. That's why we love. And that's also why we want them to know like that Jesus is the only way and that there is truth to be had. Like they're not mutually exclusive claims. Like I can say everybody matters and I can say that Jesus is the one you need to know. Right. So model that rather than like attacking, you know, critical race theory or whatever agenda you want to talk about. It's just, I think young people, when they hear those things, like alarm bells go off of like, you just sound a little bit angry and insecure. You know, that's how I hear that, you know? And so I just think like to be aware of some of those things. Good. Good. Uh, what are some ways that you found, uh, whether through your events or whatever that you found to equip believers, young believers, especially to share the gospel, to take it out and go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing for us is just getting people to commit to praying for people. So like I use a card everywhere I speak. I don't know if I have one handy here, but it's just a simple recipe card. And everywhere I speak, it's the one tool I try to have available. And, you know, and I took it from the Billy Graham team. They called it Operation Andrew. We call it Keep Five. And I just find that like, 
like the single barrier that like is the easiest, like, let's say like, you know, the easiest, you know, entry point is if I can get people to start to prioritize praying for the people in their life that need Jesus and for praying for people that like, like even just opportunities to share Jesus. Like if I can start to get you to do that, well, now all of a sudden, like your heart is aligning and now you're going to start to desire to do it. Right. Cause right now I think often, I think we share with people how to solutions for a want to problem. Like, like I could tell you all day long how to do this, but until God changes your heart and you actually want to do it, then my training is just a waste of time. Right. Right. So like, but I need to start by saying, man, like, do you think people in your life need Jesus? Well, are you praying about that? Like, are you praying for them? Do you think they could use prayer? Well, take this card and put it somewhere. You'll see it, pray for them every day and then start to look. And then I just challenge people just simply like my training is very basic in terms of what I encourage. I encourage people to pray for opportunities. I encourage people then to look for God's answer. I encourage people to listen, like to make the time when God puts people in their path to make the time to listen to them, to hear their story and to listen to God. Like, God, what do you want to say to this person? Hmm. And then number four is the last thing I'll say is like, and then you share, you know, and then, and then there's a lot of tactics and tricks or, you know, tricks is the wrong word, but just ways to communicate the gospel, right? whether it's just sharing your testimony or a bridge to life illustration or a four spiritual laws or steps to peace with God. And, and people will make fun of and criticize tracks and things like that all day long. Like they're just like, Oh, a track, whatever. To which I'll respond. Tell me how you share your faith, which typically they don't. And then I'll say, well, I like that old way of sharing the faith better than your non-existent way of sharing your faith. And so like, I'm all for let's come up with new ways yeah. But I just think this whole like criticizing things, it's like, man, these things like worked for generations and right. yes, they need to change a little bit to adapt to the times, but the truth is still the truth. Yeah. And frankly, the simplest things are what I find. Like I got to lead a guy to Christ on uh, Saturday night and, uh, and yeah, I mean, it literally was as simple as me just talking to him and like listening and then just asking him his belief in eternal life and then sharing Jesus. And he just was there, you know, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of people I talk to that aren't that simple, but it's just like, they're out there. Like people yeah. are literally, I've just, I've never in my life, I've been sharing my faith for, you know, pretty much my entire, when I was a little kid, I started sharing my faith, but like I have never in my life experienced people more open than now. Yeah. Good. Well, man, thank you for the time. Can I play a little game before with you before we leave? I was hoping for a game. All right. Well, here we go. All right. Five rapid fire questions. You ready? These are going to be random, super random. All right. Here we I'm, go. I'm reformed, so I already know the, the questions. Right. You knew they were coming. Well, I, I chose you for these questions. All right. Number one, what is the biggest risk that you've ever taken in ministry? Biggest risk I've ever taken in ministry? Uh, we you know, felt like God was calling us to book the national mall and call for a million people to come and raise $10 million. And we had never done an event for like 5,000 people and had never raised like a half a million dollars. And so that was either like God or just incredibly stupid, but that was a big one. So I would happened? tell you like, ah, uh, we had probably 300,000 people come out. 
we nearly went broke like a ton of times, but God provided everything we needed. Uh, it wasn't $10 million, but he provided everything we needed. And yeah, it changed my life. Yeah. Awesome, man. All right. This one's out of left field. Ready? All right. Name the word from this definition. Ready? A strong, regular beating or throbbing resulting from the regular widening of an artery in the body as blood flows through it. This has to do with you. Name the definition? Or name the word. Looking for the word. You got it. That's right. Very good. All right. Number three. What's something that you wish you were better at? Uh, I wish I was better at sitting still and just being yeah like just sitting still and meditating on scripture it is it's hard it is perpetually hard for me to sit still i'm a doer Mm, good so i want to be more like mary sit at the feet ponder all right uh number four what's a tv show that you're embarrassed to say that you watch ha embarrassed to say that i watch guilty pleasure i don't know yeah, I don't know if I'm embarrassed of anything. My wife and I have been watching Inventing Anna. Hmm. I think it's the Netflix show about the heiress who is, uh, you know, she faked to be New York elite. And it's super fascinating. I don't think I'm embarrassed about it. But I mean, in some ways, I guess I should be embarrassed. I, I probably should be embarrassed. I know way too much Paw Patrol and <laughs> uh, what else, uh, you know, What's the Daniel Tiger and yeah. I can sing every song. I know every character. That's embarrassing, but maybe it also means I'm a good dad because my <laughs> yeah. kids just can't get enough of it. So there you go, there you go, Daniel Tiger. Uh, did you see the Mr. Rogers documentary? So uh, good. It was good. It was so good. good. The Tom Hanks the movie documentary. Yeah, the documentary was way better than the Tom I Hanks. I think movie, so though. too. I think so. Too. Yeah, that Tom Hanks movie got a little weird. It was a little it artsy did. for me. It was a little art. Well, when it started out with like a picture of like dude in a bloody nose, I was like, "Where is this? Where is this going?" Yeah, there was some creative liberties yeah. that were there. But <laughs> the documentary, man, I cried. Yeah, I it, cried was, it, was really it was really good. Really, especially with the gay guy that uh, super man, inspiring. So man. the it black was, guy, man. the gay guy, all of yeah. it. it just was. Yeah. Well, the, just the just, amount. Just, yeah, go ahead. the amount of thought. Well, I'm just saying the amount of thought that he put into just intention. Like you never would have, if I hadn't watched that, I always just thought he just put on like silly kids programs. But like when you saw that he was like a family pastor, yeah, and like just family human development and like caring about the spiritual well being, it just was really like wow, this guy was like another level. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the fact that the, I forget what his name was, it, 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 the, the gay guy, you know, that came out and said, you, you know, that how much he listened to him, how much he cared about him. Like, this is a dude that he disagreed with his lifestyle, but the dude knew that he loved yeah. him. You know, yeah. in, interesting. All right, last question for you. What is one thing that if churches would focus on, they would see their impact with the next generation grow significantly? Hmm. Man, that is a tough to pick one. I think I'm just going to say prayer. Mm-hmm. I just think that I think that we can have all the strategies in the world, but until we're desperate for the Lord, which really is em- em- embodied by the priority of prayer, and I think these kids want to pray, man. 
they want to pray. They love a prayer meeting. They can pray all night long. Mm. And uh, so I think that's what I'd say. Good. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much for the time. Tell us how we can learn about Pulse, how we can learn about the Together event. Yeah, Pulse.org is kind of all things there and both about the ministry and about Together. And uh, yeah, people have questions or want to reach out, you know, I'm on Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. So, you know, reach out, hit me with a message and yeah, we just, you know, love the church, really thankful, want to encourage all the pastors or ministry leaders out there, like don't grow weary and doing good. It's so easy to think you're not significant because you're not doing things as big as somebody else. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell. Like it's, and one life. My, my life was changed by a pastor that nobody knew. And, uh, you know, never will have any accolade, never will be celebrated. Just a humble, faithful man of God. And so, yeah, I just want to encourage you, man, press in and, you know, there's somebody out there whose life's going to be changed and it's worth it all. So good. Well, Nick, uh, pleasure getting to know you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Carl. Honored by the time. Hey guys, Grant here from the 1230 media team. I want to let you know about our blog at 1230.media. We have over 600 articles on the site categorized by your ministry area, meaning you can jump to articles on church media or production, worship, communications, service planning, and more. Free training to help you make Sunday happen. Start learning today. It's all at 1230.media slash blog. That's 1230.media slash blog. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, if you like the content of our podcast, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel today. And next week on the podcast, we will welcome Justin Rizzo. Justin is a worship coach and owns a production company called Firelight Creative that produces films and musicals. He serves on staff as a worship leader at the International House of Prayer in Kansas City, where he spent 15 years leading multiple worship sets each week. He also travels extensively to lead worship and speak at events around the world. I'm honored and privileged to have Justin on the podcast next week. We'll go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.